Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Luke 17, and we'll read verse 20. You know what? Let's back up. Let's, let's start at verse number 11. Luke 17, verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Bible says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed. And verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Once, verse 20, once on being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is is in your midst. I just want to preach to you for the next little bit from this title, In Your Midst. In Your Midst. God bless you this morning, and you may be seated. So I'll say this, it's my kids are in Sunday school, well, minus the toddler. The older that my kid, and for some of you parents, you could probably really relate to this, but the older that my kids get, the uh, the harder it is for them to find stuff. It is a it is a regular occurrence in our house for someone to be looking for something, a shoe, the other sock, which I think is actually a global pandemic that I'll never really understand. Where does the other sock go? <laughs> so somebody looking for a shoe, a sock, a hat, a backpack, a lunchbox. Uh, how many of you have a designated drop spot in your house where everything just, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's calculated, right? The house isn't a mess. That's where I intended for it to go. Like I planned for it to go there. I mean, I think every house has those designated areas where everything just gets dropped. But for my kids, that seems to be everywhere throughout the house, the yard. Uh, and, the, and the older that they get, the harder it is for them to find stuff. Not, not Reddick, though. He's got the vision of a B-52 pilot. Um, he will find absolutely everything and I do mean everything. He's at that stage where he wonders what it tastes like. So we have to be very cautious of what is being left out. And, uh, you know, we can't, uh, what did we spill the other day? He got into the drawer and uh, he does everything wrong perfectly. I mean, perfectly. 
he'll kick my phone out of my hand like he's some karate just instructor. I mean, that's how smooth he is. I mean, he does everything wrong perfectly, but I think it was a box of thumbtacks that he pulled a drawer, the lid caught, and just thumbtacks everywhere. So we didn't really want him tasting those and seeing what those were like. But um, just yesterday, uh, Bennett was uh, looking for uh, his clothes that Mal had uh, set out for him for that day. And he even asked me, he said, where, where are my clothes at for the day? And I said, they're in the laundry room on the ironing board. Okay, so what does he do? He opens up the door, forgets what I says, takes one step and says, I can't find my clothes. Somebody, am I the only? Okay. Can't find them. And so I've gotten to that point where you know, I'm, I, I try to just, I'm trying to make them look, you know, used to just get it over with, just, they're, they're right there. They're right there, you know? So, but anyways, you know, I, 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 I try not to get too sarcastic with my kids. They're really starting to, uh, to pick up on that a little bit, you know? And so I've got the two older ones now, you know, when somebody is looking for something in the kitchen, because one day somebody was looking for something in the kitchen and it was literally just right out in the open. I said, why don't you take a stroll around the kitchen? Why don't you take a look around the kitchen? So now anytime somebody's looking for the Easton Bennett, why don't you take a stroll around the room and see if you can, why don't you just, how about you take a stroll, buddy? So I got to be careful. Uh, but you know, so, and, and I did that with Bennett. I was like, where did you look in the laundry room? I looked right there. And it's literally the first place that you go to when you go into the laundry room. We don't have a gigantic laundry room. It's a small little space. And, uh, and I said, where else could they possibly be? And so he, it forced him to look around the room and, and, and miss what was right there the entire time. Miss what was literally three, four feet away. Amen. And I know it's, I know it's kids and that's what kids do, but, uh, here's, here's my, here's my fear, um, a, a consistent fear I'll add for, for us as, as Christian, as, as a church. My fear is this, is that we will miss what has been right in front of us the entire time. For all, of the, for all of the shadows, if we're not careful, there will be some who miss the form. And if you, if, you see, if you see the shadows but miss the form, then when everything else is said and done, if you empty this thing of depth and you, you stay on the surface, I think that you really stand to suck the life right out of it. And so... With that in mind, this morning we're in Luke 17, a very strange story about 10 lepers. The Bible says that on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So the story is, is that they don't want to get near Jesus. So they, they stay their distance. They keep their distance and they just yell at him from across the way. And they yelling, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, heal us. And 
Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. And in some ways here, he's saying, I'm going to heal you. And so as they walk toward the priest, all 10 of them are healed. The Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. That's a pretty key to what's happening in the text here. The Samaritans at this point were half-breed Jews who were very much racially profiled and outcast uh, from Jewish society. And so it's a pretty significant deal here that the Jews don't return, but the Samaritan does. In fact, Jesus, he always tells these great little stories where the Samaritan is the hero. Bible says now he was a Samaritan and then Jesus answered we're not 10 cleansed where are the nine was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner and he said to him rise and go your way your faith has made you well verse 20 being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come he answered them And now I want to stop right here for just a moment because I want us to understand something about this particular question. When the kingdom of God would come, Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? Now, normally, uh, when, when, when the Pharisees ask Jesus a question, they're they're trying to set him up, right? They're they're trying to trick him. Throughout the Gospels, you will notice that when they asked Jesus a question, it was them trying to trap him. It It was a trick question. But that's not at all the case with this particular question. There is no shadiness in this question. They're literally asking When is the kingdom of God coming? So here's the question that we have to ask ourselves, uh, the reader. What exactly is the kingdom of God? What are they asking about when they ask this question? What is this thing that they are asking? And one thing you have to understand is the kingdom of God is not a New Testament idea, but an Old Testament idea. And when you get into the Old Testament, you will find that the Old Testament constantly points to outside of itself. In Genesis 1, you will find God, the Creator, right? And He's there creating, and He creates it all, and it's perfect. It's it's peace, it's innocence, it's beauty, it's depth, it's meaning. God creates man and woman and God is with them and near them in relationship with them. Amen. And it is the garden. They walk in the purpose that they were created for. This is our first picture of the kingdom of God. Now, sin, I know you know your Bible, sin enters into the world and fractures all of it, right? Sin crashes the party. Sin fractures the kingdom of God. And what ends up happening now 
is instead of pursuing God, instead of worshiping God, we learn to worship created things so that our affections terminate on just those things and don't rise up in worship for God Almighty, leaving everything hollow, empty. Everything gets broken. The kingdom of God shattered. It's fractured. Now you move on. God shows up a few generations later to a man by the name of Abraham. And he comes to Abraham and he says, from your line, I'm going to create a people. And through this people, I'm going to bless the entire world. The kingdom of God once again be ushered in through the line of Abraham. And the covenant was born, and it did what? It pointed to a future day that was coming. So, stay with me now. You've got the kingdom of God in the garden. You've got the kingdom of God promised again in the covenant of Ab- with Abraham. And then you, you've got Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And for several generations, have we have nothing. And then... Egypt gradually forgets about Joseph, and then all of a sudden, Charlton Heston, as a baby, is put into a basket um, and floats down the river uh, right into Pharaoh's palace, and there Moses becomes one of the Egyptian rulers. And then the Bible lets us know he sees one of his countrymen being beaten, so he kills the Egyptian. He's now on the run into the wilderness for 40 years when he comes, becomes a shepherd, and then God shows up and goes, hey, we're going. It's time. What time is it, God? It's kingdom of God time. It's land flowing with milk and honey time. And Moses is like, I can't do it. I I, I stutter. Send someone, send my brother. And Moses has all of these excuses. And God finally says, no, Moses, I'm sending you. And so the Bible lets us know that he, he then heads up to Egypt, walks up to Pharaoh and says, God sent me, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, like, no, I'm not doing it. We're not going to let you do that. And the scripture says that God began to harden Pharaoh's heart. And so we're moving through this quickly. Eventually, Moses leads God's people out of slavery right to the cusp of a land flowing with milk and honey, God's place for God's rule for God's people. But there was some disobedience along the way. There was some disobedience that happened and Moses and the people paid a terrible price for it. Moses, who had arguably the most glamorous ministry in the history history of mankind, he gets to spend the last days of his life waiting for all the grumblers to die out. And once they finally die out, it's time to go in. But God pulls Moses up on the mountain and he gets buried just outside of the promised land. And the Bible lets us know then that Joshua brings the people into the promised land, that land that is flowing with milk and honey. All of this that I'm talking about this morning is kingdom of God imagery. Now, the problem was still they had a sin problem. 
sin still remained. And it, it wasn't 10 chapters from when they crossed the Red Sea until they built the golden calf to worship. They still had a sin issue. So finally, Israel establishes themselves as a nation with God as their king. And they go, no, 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 no. We want a man as a king. We don't just want God. We want a man just like the other nations have. And God goes, trust me, that's not going to work out for you. It's going to go real bad for you. I'm trying to get you to kingdom of God here. This is where I'm trying to get you to. No, 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 no. We want a man just like everybody else. Look at this guy. This guy's fantastic. This guy is perfect this guy will do the trick this guy will make a great king isn't it funny how little has changed all these years i think if we're all real honest we're all trying to be smarter than the average man we're all trying to think that we we've got it all figured out we know the next step, and we know the direction, and we know what's best for us. It's funny how little things have changed since this time. You and I, if we're honest this morning, we do a great job of leaning on our own understanding. Folks, when the Bible says lean not on your own understanding, the Bible is being serious with us. You know why? Because our heart is deceitful. Our emotions, they fluctuate. Our understanding does not see the overall big picture. Hear me today. If you want your path directed, if you want your steps to be ordered of the Lord, you have to acknowledge him in all of your ways. God, you are God and I am not. You are the creator and I am the creation. I don't know what's best, but you know what's best and I'll submit my life to you and I'll trust you and I'll put it in your hands. We've got to acknowledge him. God, you know what's best. You know what's best for us. We get ourselves in so much trouble trying to play the role of God. Let me take some weight off of your shoulder this morning. You're not Jehovah Jr., we make terrible gods. Terrible. That should relieve some people here this morning because they think it's all on them. It's all on their shoulders. No, put it in the hands of the one who says, hey, come unto me. Come unto me. Do you have a burden? Are you heavy laden? Come unto me. Find rest. We get ourselves in so much trouble trying to play the role of God. And so you've, you've, you, what happens in the Bible, and saying with the story here, you've got this really imperfect picture of the kingdom of God with a human king now who can never seem to get it right. None of them ever seem to get it right. And all of this, all of this is kingdom of God imagery for the Jew. And then, you, you, then from here you get David and you get Solomon. And it doesn't go much farther than Solomon. The kingdom is broken up. The Jews are taken into exile. And from this moment on, you get all of the Old Testament prophets. And what do they all say? They begin to point to this great and glorious day of the coming of the kingdom of God. 
So they get it full on in the garden. And now they keep getting it in these promises. They keep getting it in these shadows of it. The rule and the reign of the power of God in the present. It's what everything is built on for them. It's this big hope, this big idea. And all of the Old Testament prophets continue to go, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. There's coming a great day. A great day is coming. In fact, Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter in the Old Testament, is a chapter on the coming of the kingdom of God, the great and glorious day of God. So this is what they are asking in Luke 17. When they say, when is the kingdom of God coming? You know, you want to know what they're really asking with that question? They're talking about the restoration of the fractured soul. They're asking about being relieved and removed from slavery, both external and internal. They're talking about a good, just, holy, right king who would lead them and protect them and guide them. They're talking about the presence of God in their midst. Jesus, when is that time coming? When is that time? When is that day? When is the kingdom of God coming? They were searching for their Savior. And I'll say this, it's not just their history that has them looking for this great and glorious day. The human soul, regardless of historical background, was hardwired for this. You and I were hardwired. Think of how everyone seems to be on some level or another or on some sort of a savior search. Like some of us try to trick ourselves and think uh, and think it's some level of economic prosperity. Some of us think it's relational. But all of us are asking the same thing that the Pharisees were asking. When is this going to get here? When will there be peace again? When will there be peace in my mind and in my heart? When, when Jesus, will I find fullness? When is the kingdom coming? When will I find purpose? When will I find meaning? When will I find the reason that I exist, the reason that I'm still here? We live in a society that is searching for answers, and we are constantly seeking a better way, a better life, a better income, more of this and more of that. You might have walked in here this morning today searching for healing, restoration, peace, salvation, deliverance, whatever it may be. You might have walked in here today not feeling like you're lost in sin, but wondering what's the will of God for my life? What's my next step? What am I supposed to do? Why? Am I here? And that's what the question is. When is the kingdom of God coming? Jesus, when is this mess going to get fixed? When is this going to get cleaned up? 
When am I going to come across that thing, that idea, that place that brings all of life experience, both joy and sorrow underneath a purpose, and it puts me in direction? God, when is that coming? That's the question. When's this mess going to get cleaned up? Now, look at how Jesus answers them. He says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. Folks, they had in their minds that there's going to be some sort of a moon turning to blood and stars fracturing in two and falling on the earth. Some apocalyptic images going on in their mind that they thought that's what it's going to look like when this occurs. When the, when the kingdom of God gets ushered in, this is going to look like the 4th of July. It's going to be some marvelous, even if it was just military signs, they were looking for rebellion to fire up. They were looking for a marked defeat of some Roman military camp. That's what they're looking for. And Jesus is standing there saying, you're looking at all the wrong things and you're missing it. The kingdom of God is not like this or, or, or that. And the irony, folks, is this. They are talking to the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not over there or over here. And look how he answers. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus is standing there saying, I'm here. The kingdom is here. I'm in the midst of you right now. What's he saying? What's the message? This is what he's saying. The restoration of what was broken all the way back in Genesis 3, it's here. The fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham, it's here. It's begun. Freedom from slavery, both external and internal, it's here. The king is here. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord this morning? He's saying, I'm right here. Your God guide, your provider, the lover of your soul is here in the, in the midst of you. I'd like to submit to you this morning that he's here and he's everything that you're looking for in this life and the life that is to come he is the peace and the joy that your heart is searching for he's the purpose that you are desperately searching after he's the freedom that you are seeking after folks the kingdom of god is in your midst and what was fractured in Genesis 3, between us and God, the enmity in our heart towards Him is removed now. And it's replaced with affection and worship. Sonship is given. The kingdom of God is here. So, 
Back to our 10 lepers. I'm going to ask our music to come. Back to our 10 lepers. Again, this is a strange story. And uh, at the risk of starting the Christmas celebration too early, you knew it was coming. I can't help but think of a time of year that that is such a great example to what I'm talking about this morning. You know that time of year, it's a it's a time where we put a ton of emphasis on so many things. We do weird stuff around the holidays, right? I mean, who smokes a turkey on a Tuesday night? Never, unless it's Christmas. We bust it all out. We have weird schedules, weird family. You know. And we put a this just immense amount of emphasis on so many things. But I simply ask us today, are we placing emphasis on the right thing? Are we celebrating the right thing? Don't get me wrong, I love that time of year. You know I do, I'm here for it. It's, it's a time for all those good things, friends, family. I hope you get presents. I want presents. But is that where the weight of our emphasis should be? What are, we, what are we really celebrating? And the truth of the matter is our emphasis should be on the incarnation. The word of God became flesh. Dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. The emphasis is on the incarnation of the Son of God, the coming of the kingdom. That's our emphasis. That's our weight. That's what we are celebrating. So at some level, you have to start going, am I really celebrating that? Do I celebrate that today? Or is that reserved for a specific time of year? Do I have to wait 365 days to understand that the kingdom of God is here? There are a lot of things going on that I believe are a very poor substitute for what's actually going on right now. Things that can't even compare. And I'm just wondering that if we're not careful, if, if we might make it all the way to the priest instead of coming back to where we should have never left. That's at the feet of Jesus. Offering up our worship and our thanks 
in our praise. I'm wondering if in the end there might be a lot of cool stuff that happens along the way and a lot of cool experiences and maybe some great times in a great day or two, but a complete swing and miss when it comes to what we're really supposed to be focusing on. The kingdom of God in your midst. Stand with me this morning, if you will. Feel the Holy Ghost in this place. This is why in the book of Hebrews 11, when you've got the, the roll call of faith, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, you get something. And think about all of the names that he just mentioned there. But he writes this. You get something that all of these men and women just longed for. Like Moses, he just hoped for it. Abraham just hoped for it. Isaiah just prophesied on it and hoped for it. But you and I, we get to know it. We get to walk in it. We get to worship him. We get to exalt. And it's not hope for you alone. He's here. That's, that's what you and I get. The kingdom of God is here. And that's what we should be celebrating. That's what we should be teaching our children. That's what we should be enjoying because I think the other option, again, is to get all the way to the priest and go, hey, look at us. We're clean. Hey, look at us. But ultimately, that's not what we celebrate. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus has come. Hear me today, we will not have a third testament for all that was written in the old was fulfilled in God in the flesh. Jesus Christ. So this isn't some nostalgic handing out of presents. It's a celebration that the kingdom is here. Over and over and over again, Jesus tells these stories. And he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear he who has eyes, let him see. This is my hope for us, that we might be able to throw out all the noise. God knows there's so much noise going on around us. And we're getting in, ready to enter into a busy time of the year. But I hope, here's what I hope for us, that we can throw out all the jargon, all of the noise, and we would just see him. To look around and see him in creation. To look around and see him in our homes. To look around and see him on our way to work. And while we're at work, to see him in our places, our, our schools. Because he's here in the midst of us. Yeah. That's, what, uh, that's what we were created for. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.